Have your Bibles. We'll be once again in the book of Galatians, uh, chapter 2. And we'll start reading with verse 1. Galatians chapter 2, verse 1. And when you get there, if you would please stand to pay reverence to the reading of the Word of God. And if you can, uh, Galatians chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 10. The Word of God says this, Then fourteen years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, and took Titus with me also, and I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And that because of false brethren unawares brought in who came in privately uh, to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But of these who seem to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me, God accepteth no man's person, for they who seem to be somewhat in conference, adding nothing to me. But contrawise, when they saw the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. For he that, for he that wroth effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty to me to the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship that we should go unto the heathen and they unto the circumcision. Only they would we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward to do. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for allowing us to come together. We thank you for the scripture that you've impressed upon our hearts. Lord, I pray. Uh, that you'll help lead us, to guide us, direct us, Lord. We, we just pray, Lord, that you continue to use this Scripture, continue to watch over this as you uh, prepare these messages with us, Lord. We just pray that we'll say all things in accordance with thy will, continue to help us, continue to lift us up. And, Lord, I just pray that if there's anybody here that's lost and undone, they'll come to know you before it's everlasting too late. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. You, uh, you can be seated this morning. Now, uh, in this particular scripture, I read 10 verses, and when I read them out loud, when I'm reading them alone in the study, sometimes I, I think of s- some certain things, and I see certain things, but when I start to read it out loud to the church sometimes, I, I realize about halfway through, this is very difficult to say out loud and for everybody to grasp everything that's going on, especially in the particular language that this is written in. Uh, uh, verses 1 through 10 of the book of Galatians uh, chapter 2 here, is trying to write some certain things that's going on. The first thing that we see in Galatians 1 is Paul introduces himself. And we need to kind of understand what's going on in these letters. We see that Paul introduces himself. We see that Paul highlights the problem there at the, at the church at Galatia. And the next thing that Paul does in chapter 1 is he tells the church at Galatia how he is called by God and what kind of authority he has to talk to them. And then the next thing that we see in the book of Galatians chapter 2 is he rolls over and starts to explain to them some of the things that's happened to him. And, and Paul, in, in so many ways, he, he starts to highlight the journey that he's been on to the church at Galatia. 
And we want to look at that journey just for a little bit uh, today, that we have to, have to think a little bit about what Paul has went through. It, as a Christian, uh, Paul here, after three years after he has been saved, he has visited uh, Jerusalem. Now, he was at 14 years before this, Paul went to Jerusalem, and, and 14 years later, uh, that he was a young boy, he went to Jerusalem. And Paul, I want you to realize something about Paul. Paul did not get his gospel from Jerusalem. We, we understand that Paul got his gospel on the Damascus Road. He hasn't been uh, to Jerusalem to receive the teachings of the apostles. And uh, we have to think about too, since he did not receive his gospel from Jerusalem, uh, he did not need Jerusalem to interpret the gospel for him. Uh, he had already been shown uh, what the gospel was. So this is important to note because Paul had a problem with Judaizers. Now, the Judaizers were the ones that depended upon the law, which were teaching that works was part of your salvation, that you had to follow Old Testament law, which was part of Jewish tradition, and you also had to accept Christ into your life, which we know uh, from Paul's teachings throughout the book of Gal uh, through the church here, through this letter, uh, the Galatians, we know that that's not correct. In Acts 15 verse 1, it tells us that the Judaizers were following Paul around, and they were teaching that the Gentiles had to be circumcised to be saved. If you want to look at that in Acts 15.1, and in fact in Acts 15.2, it tells us that Paul and Barnabas had a huge debate with the Judaizers about this. It was a big problem, and the Judaizers claimed that Paul was preaching a distorted human version. Paul was preaching something that... He, they had got from him, from the Judaizers, uh, uh, from the ones that were teaching Jewish laws and customs plus uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, they said, well, he's taking what we're teaching and he's messing it up. <laughs> That's what was going on. And, and by any means, if we want to go to church to church in this community, we don't even have to get out of the community or go a little further out in our state. Uh, we can visit churches and say, yes, you teach something close to us. But it's a little different. Now, this does, not, does that not sound relatable uh, to our ideology? If you've been to any kind of other churches, you say, well, we, we're pretty close to y'all. And I, I think that's comical when I, I talk to people. Hey, you know, I'm sorry, I'm ordained Southern Baptist. And when I go see the people that are in Baptist or in Methodist or in Church of God or, or whatever, it doesn't matter. They say, well, we're, we're close. We're just a little different. And I say, well, not really. I, I believe in Jesus Christ and I hope you do too. And that's, that's the whole purpose of our of our testimony that's the whole purpose of, of christianity we, we, there's not really any difference so we, we don't have to get dogmatic or or lean on this particular understanding or this particular theology debate we just love jesus I, I, and i hope that that's frequent without any denomination but we see here that paul has this issue he has these people that are following him around even in acts and we see that they're claiming that paul is preaching a distorted version they claim that Paul has received uh, the gospel at Jerusalem, but he misunderstood it. <laughs> and he's changing it to sort of fit his needs. Now, they claim that he had received it. And with, you know, with these accusations, we can see why it's important for Paul to establish where he received his salvation. Where he had received his gospel. Uh, Paul did not receive the gospel from Jerusalem. He much less even distorted the gospel that came from Jerusalem. God had told Paul to go to Jerusalem. In, verse, in chapter 2, verse 2, that Paul says, we went in response to revelation. He, he went because God showed him to go to Jerusalem. Now, the Judaizers claimed that they had sent Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem. Now, in so many ways, they were standing back where in, in, in the church of Galatia, and they said that, yeah, uh, Paul wasn't right, 
and we made sure to send Paul back to Jerusalem so he could hear the correct word of God. Now, in so many ways, they were saying, yeah, uh, we ran Paul out of town because he wasn't right, uh, and we told him to go back to Jerusalem and try to get it right while he's there. And uh, it's so sad what was going on. They probably said something to the effect of, we straightened old Paul out. Old Paul had to go back. And we can see that, we can hear that within our own churches, but the Scripture shows us that Paul didn't need to be corrected. Both the book of Acts and the book of Galatians make it clear that Paul was teaching the correct gospel, that he was teaching the gospel of of strictly grace, of strictly faith. And we see that, and in, in Acts it says they were sent their way by the church at Antioch. And Paul says that he went in response to the revelation. So Paul, I believe that Paul was definitely reluctant to go to Jerusalem. Why? Because that's where he had some of his teachings. That's where a lot of the Jews were. He was a Jew. He was a very Jew of Jews, it was said last week. He was higher up in the hierarchy. So in so many ways, uh, I don't think that Paul exactly wanted to go, but God revealed that he must go. In any case, it was not the Judaizers, but God that told Paul to go where he went. In the next part of this, we see that Paul was told to go, but we also see that Paul had a test to bring to Jerusalem. Uh, Paul brought a test, and he brought a man named Titus. And if we read about Titus, and we read uh, Titus' writings, it's, it's, it's great to read, but Titus was an uncircumcised Gentile. Paul, uh, Titus was an uncircumcised Gentile, and Titus was exactly who the Judaizers were referring to. When they said that you had to be circumcised to accept Jesus Christ to be saved, they were talking about Titus. And they claimed that Titus could not be saved without the circumcision. And the circumcision was nothing but a sign of of God's people. That was all it was. It was sort of a a signal of the promise that that God had made to God's people. And they claimed that Titus couldn't be saved unless he was circumcised. But... The Jerusalem council did not demand that Titus be circumcised. And it's very interesting to me that they were claiming this and the people at Galatia were teaching this, but we see the importance of the circumcision to the Jews was the sign of the covenant with God and God had commanded throughout the Old Testament that His people should be circumcised. But we see that it was given to Moses in the Old Testament law and the Judaizers said, unless you're circumcised, you cannot be saved. It made sense in their aspect. They said, well, God's always required it. God's always needed it back here. Uh, for thousands of years, we've been following this law to do this, uh, not understanding that the grace of God had nothing to do with physical things that have to be done. It wasn't had to do with law. It wasn't had to do with things like that. It was strictly through grace. Now, God had commanded, once again, throughout the Old Testament that they had to be circumcised, but Titus was living proof that the Judaizers were wrong. Titus was brought in by Paul here into Jerusalem to be an example, and Paul emphasizes this fact. Titus was allowed to leave Jerusalem just as he had went into Jerusalem. Why? Because the people of Jerusalem saw that he did not need it. He did not need something physical done to him. Titus was allowed to leave just as he came in. He came uncircumcised, and he left uncircumcised with a full blessing of the Jerusalem apostles. If they didn't circumcise him in Jerusalem, why would they need to circumcise him in Galatia? Why would they need to? Titus was living proof 
of the proof of, G, of, of Paul's teachings. He had went to Jerusalem to, to, to show this to these people, to go to Jerusalem and accept him and to see them. And the fact that Titus was not forced to be circumcised was proof that the Judaizers' doctrine was different from the apostles' doctrine. What does that mean? They were wrong. What does that mean? The Judaizers were wrong. Titus was walking. He was living proof. Titus was living proof that they had taught a different gospel. And this proved that the apostles' gospel was the gospel of grace. Paul's gospel was of grace. Paul's. Titus here, once again, was that living proof. And Paul, I want you to realize something, he had some bogus brothers. In verses 4 through 5, false brethren had came in along to cause trouble. In fact, it says in verse 4 that a matter arose because false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom that we have. Some of the Judaizers, what they had done is they came to Jerusalem to force the issue. Paul needed certain things, and Paul used three words to call out their action. First of all, he uses the word in the Greek, which is pseudo-adelphus, which means that they were fake. They were bogus. They were fake Christians that were pretending to be brothers in Christ. They had assembled themselves with the group, and they were fake. They were not real. And they were only there to cause trouble among the brethren. The next thing that we see is that they were infiltrators. The Greek word here is, it's hard to pronounce it, phasikaroma. Maybe I did that right. Which means to come in. So he said that these people are tricking us, they are bogus, they're fake, and they have come into our group. And then the next word that we see is another Greek word that's hard to say, but they have, they've come in and they are slipping in, they are hiding in the crowd among us, and they were spies, got a scapeo, which means to be against. So not only were they sneaking in, not only were they false brothers, but they also were doing it sneakily. They had snuck in, they were doing it critically, and they were only there to cause discord. Now, if you've been in church very long, and I've been in church the majority of my life, you can uh, probably take these words here, people that snuck in, uh, sought to uh, cause discord or issues, uh, uh, try to find things that they disagree with. My goodness, if you've been in church very long, you've seen it. Paul experienced it too. Paul experienced people that snuck into his group and tried to cause problems. They tried to find little things that Paul was doing and say, well, that's not right. They tried to add on to it and say, well, he's right, but you also got to do this. In the church today, we have the same kind of issues, the same false teachers, the same kind of shameful behavior that goes on with Paul's followers. And evidently, these bogus brothers slipped among Paul's companions. They passed themselves off as fellow believers, fellow brothers. They attempted to spy out Paul's actions. Paul here... In verses 6 through 10, he shows that he has been accepted by his people. And we see that in the first chapter that Paul highlights among the people. He has a crowd of people among him that back him, that support him, that agree with him. And once again, we see in verses 6 through 10 that he had a tremendous amount of people around him that had authority, that had influence, that had agreement with what he said. Now, between the people assembled in this council, the, the people that he highlights that are there, you have 20 books of the New Testament. 
written by these men. Okay? These aren't people that just happenstance were there. They, they weren't converted by Paul. These were people that were apostles of Jesus Christ that followed Him right hand, that were right there at the crucifixion. They appeared to Him up in the upper room. These were, these were men that were experienced men, and they agreed with what Paul was teaching. Uh, this conference was a, a summit of the pillars of the church. It says it in verse 9. These people were pillars. They had nothing to add to Paul's message. There was no correction that was needed. Everything that Paul is trying to tell the church at Galatia, he's trying to tell them these men, all these men that you hear about, all these men that you follow, these pillars of the church also say that too. There was no changes to be made. They accepted Paul and gave their full endorsement. They recognized Paul's contribution. Now, Paul had been persecuting persecuting Christians, had been killing them, had been going from place to place, breaking them up. We know the story. He was struck blind on the road to Damascus. And he received salvation from Jesus Christ in a supernatural way. In a way that nobody else experienced. No doubt when he appeared to the apostles, the apostles could have looked at him and said, I don't think you got saved. I don't think that your life could have changed. But that is not what happened with Paul. Paul was gifted. He was anointed to be the minister to the Gentiles. And they had a blessing on his sort of his ordination here. And I want you to realize something about ordination. Uh, There is not a church that ordains. There is not people that really ordain. Uh, There is God that ordains people to serve. Uh, uh, Ordination is typically people just say, yeah, we agree. Uh, Yeah, we give a blessing to that because we see God working in their life. And the Jerusalem Council did that for Paul, okay? The Jerusalem Council looked over Paul's uh, testimony and his work and said, yes, you are right. And they recognized him and he was ordained by God for the ministry. And there were three things that were made at this summit. They were affirmed to have one gospel, preached to the Jews and the Gentiles alike, they affirm there's two apostolic, apostolic, apostolic callings, one to the Jews and one to the Gentiles. We know that Peter was called to the, to the Jews and Paul was called to the Gentiles and they also had three pillars. Peter, James, and John were set up to be pillars of the church. We see those three affirmations that were set up. And the pillars accepted Paul. They recognized the grace that was given to Paul and accepted him as an equal. They recognized his independent mission to the Gentiles and they gave Paul and Barnabas in the Scripture the right hand of fellowship. That doesn't mean that they played a song and they went by and shook their hands. They gave them the right hand of fellowship that they said, we want you to come in. You are the same as us. Truly, that should be the right hand of church fellowship. We bring you in, accept you, we love you, we treat you just as a brother, as a sister. You are family, you have the same things that we do. If you need, we give. If you have anything to give, we have needs and we provide for each other. The right hand of fellowship was given. And these men shook hands, no doubt. They brushed aside the troublemakers and established a new course for reaching the lost, we're going to go to the Jews, we're going to go to the Gentiles, we're going to continue to go, and Paul went and continued to set up churches. Now, there's two really key things that I see from these ten verses, and it's difficult, once again, it's difficult to even read it out loud to you, uh, much less read it and try to gather some of these things, but we see two key themes. There's One is the widespread recognition of Paul's gospel. 
we know that Paul's gospel is true. We know that Paul's gospel is true because it agrees with the apostles that were with Jesus Christ. We know that he's preaching the truth today. You, you need to know that the truth is being preached within your own church. And I hope that you can look at your Bibles and say, yes, uh, what he preaches from the pulpit aligns with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, it aligns with grace. It aligns with faith. Uh, it aligns with these things. There is nothing to add to it. But the next piece that we really capture from this is that Paul needs something. Just as I need something, just as a lot of the people within the church need something, the, the second thing that we, 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 we know that Paul's teaching the right thing, but Paul also needs encouragement. If there's anything that we can get from the book of Galatians so far is that Paul's going through hard times. Paul's left a church at Galatia, and they, he's had people go behind him questioning his teachings, uh, tearing Paul down, uh, saying that Paul's not a real teacher. Paul's doing it for this. Paul's doing it for money. Uh, Paul's doing it to look good. Uh, Paul's doing it for whatever reasons. Uh, he's not preaching the right gospel. He took a gospel from Jerusalem, uh, and he's not teaching it right, even though he's never been to Jerusalem. Uh, they're lying and lying and lying and tearing down Paul, wanting them to accept their teachings. Paul needs somebody to help him. He does. He needs encouragement. Paul is seeking help. And what does he do? He goes to people that he's never even really met. <laughs> Isn't that scary? You know, I may go to some of y'all and maybe seek some encouragement. I know y'all. I love y'all. And I hope that y'all love me and you know me. But, and I may seek you out and say, hey, can you tell me I'm doing a good job? <laughs> I do that to my wife sometimes on the way home. She might not realize that. Was that message good this morning? <laughs> she always says, yeah, even though she's probably lying. She said, yeah, it was great. And I said, what was it about? <laughs> Go ahead and test her while I'm doing it. Paul needs encouragement because nobody's believing him. Everybody's questioning him. The, the church is being broke up. Nobody's listening. And everybody's doing the opposite of what he said. He's torn down. He's beat down. And on this trip to Jerusalem, he meets these men that he does not know seeking encouragement. And what do they do? They give it to him. They said, Paul, everything you, everything you said sounds right. Paul, what you're teaching is right. Paul, welcome into our fellowship. We love you. We're going to treat you like a brother. Paul, we see that you have a calling in your life that is different than our calling in our life. Paul, we know that you, you have received something on the Damascus Road that we don't understand. But we're going to, we're going to back you up. Paul, you received something, you're doing something, you, you have converted so awkwardly, uh, went away from, uh, from <laughs> being a Jew, uh, going away from crucifying Jews, going away from crucifying Christians, to being a Christian. Paul, we accept you. Paul, we love you. Paul, we lift you up. Paul, great job. Paul needed that in his life. And I want you to think about who in your life has encouraged you. Who's encouraged you? If you're an encourager, who encouraged you? If you haven't encouraged anybody, why haven't you encouraged somebody? Why haven't you lifted somebody up? He didn't question, they didn't question his messages. They knew his messages were from God. They knew that he needed encouragement and insistence. And he needed these fellow laborers to stand with him. He needed people to stand behind him, to stand with him, to help him. And he needed these laborers, and he needed their assistance in battling false accusations. Say, guys, everything back in Galatia, everybody's turned against me. I need somebody to help me. And these people did it. They didn't know him. 
Will you encourage today? Somebody in this church needs encouragement. I don't know who you are. I don't know, I don't know what's going on in your life. You don't know what's going on in my life. Trust me. <laughs> I need encouragement. I'll go ahead and say, I'll be the first one to say, I need encouragement. Every day, every week, you, you don't have to raise your hand. I'm not asking you to, but you need encouragement. Because the world is hard. The world is tough. The world is ugly. It's mean. And my children come home from school sometimes and say, Daddy, so-and-so was mean to me today. And he tells me what happens. And I say, boy, kids are mean. <laughs> hey, y'all ain't exempt. Adults are mean too. <laughs> Adults are mean. Kids are mean. The people are mean. The world is mean. The world does not love Jesus Christ. Uh, they seek to turn us down, to destroy us. Uh, there was someone who helped you at some time. Somebody that has encouraged you at some time, that loves you, that went out of their way to tell you, good job, that went out of their way to tell you that they love you. And I want you to realize something. Paul needed it at this point in his ministry. And he's writing here to the church at Galatia to try to tell them, hey, I know that things have went south. Guys, I know that there's a bunch of stuff hooey going on. There's a bunch of false teachings going on. But I've got support. I've got people that stand behind me. I've got the okay directly from Jerusalem, from original apostles. I've got people that love me, support me, and have accepted me. That's what he's writing to the church at Galatia. Understand something. He goes, he's writing this to these people that have not accepted his gospel and have wrote back and told him all these things that are going on. He says, I'm loved. I hope that you realize and you feel the same way, Paul. I hope and I pray that you have been encouraged at some point. I hope that I have encouraged you. I don't know if you've got false teachers in your life. I don't know if you've been confused over your salvation. I don't know who here this morning has said, what is the gospel? This is the people at Galatia were doing. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I want you to know something. The gospel is very clear. The gospel is very simple. I've heard people try to explain the the way to salvation. There's a Roman road, and there's a lot of verses there. There's a lot of ways to use that. and There's a lot of ways to teach accepting Christ as your your loving Savior. But I I want you to know something. It's very simple. I don't have to say Jesus and something else, which I've, I've said quite a bit, and we're going to probably throughout the book of Galatia. But it's not Jesus and anything else. And if you've been saved today, you say, yeah, it is not Jesus and something else. It is just Jesus. It is just grace. It is just accepting. It is just loving Him. It is not going to an altar. It is not saying a certain prayer. It's not doing a certain... It's not having your name on a piece of paper. I could go through a big list of things that some people think it is. It's not. It is just Jesus. It is just Jesus. Paul was teaching it was only Jesus. It wasn't circumcision. It wasn't the law. It wasn't anything else in the Old Testament. It was only Jesus Christ. And I hope today... That if you're confused about the gospel, I hope that I can clarify it with Paul this morning and say, it is only the grace of Jesus Christ. If you're not saved today, it's that simple. It's belief. It's faith. It's grace. that's been freely given. As they get a verse of some song ready this morning, once again, I don't know what your story is. I don't know what you believe in the gospel. I don't know... It's not salvation by works. It is a salvation that is the free gift of God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. Have you put your trust 
in Christ this morning to save you? Have you put your trust in Jesus Christ to save your soul today? And I'm glad that there is no better time than now to accept Christ. I never believed in being a pushy Christian. I've never believed in being a pushy pastor where uh, we're going to sing extra songs in the, in the altar call or we're going to put you on the spot and raise your hand. I've never done that in my ministry. I, I've always thought that people will make their own decisions, that people will make their own choices, but I want you to know something. There is no better choice, no better thing that you'll do this morning than to accept Christ if you're lost and undone. As we stand, what page you got, sister?